Okay, round two. Name something that's not boring. A laundry? Ooh, a book club. Computer solitaire, huh? Ah, oh, sorry. We were looking for Chumba Casino. That's right. Chumbacasino.com has over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. Chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. Forward, prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. There will be no death by inches. This is the Broncos Daily Podcast with Brandon Crystal. I want everything. I want all the meatballs and the pasta, you know. It's game day, Broncos country. That means your Broncos will finally have a chance to get in the win column when they host the Jacksonville Jaguars at Power Field at Mile High. Depending on when you're listening to this podcast and what part of the world you're in, if it's early enough, you'll get a chance. You can also check out Broncos warm-up as I kick off the Broncos broadcast day on KOA. Otherwise, uh, if you're listening to this, hopefully you get the fantasy info that you need from Ryan Edwards and some insight on the Jaguars from Philip Heilman of The Athletic. The news from Friday night that Benjamin Albright put out there was that Jalen Ramsey was headed back to Jacksonville from Nashville, and then he flew with the team to Denver on Saturday. He is available to play, and you have to expect that they will put him out there. We do know that the back injury, though, is a legitimate thing. And then it also turns out as he may or may not have had the flu on Monday and maybe he was trying to avoid it to some degree. Apparently, a handful, uh, maybe as many as five, uh, according to Benjamin Albright, five Jaguars players are battling flu-like symptoms. All right, we will get to Philip Heilman in our Behind Enemy Line segment, but want to help you get ready for your fantasy Sunday. So hopefully you're listening to this before 11 o'clock because after that it'll become pretty obsolete. Uh, Every week we talk to Ryan Edwards and... Uh, I begin the conversation by asking, who do you like as far as a stardom or sit as it relates to the quarterbacks? All right, well, uh, I think in this case, uh, a lot of people are going to probably be taking a look at Daniel Jones. A lot of people probably rush their waiver wire to go get him. You're talking about the Giants taking on one of the worst defenses in the league in Washington, so I have no doubt in my mind that Daniel Jones is going to have another big week this week. We could get into the DFS implications of that a little bit, but if you did go pick up Daniel Jones, whether you started him last week or not, you're definitely starting him this week. Uh, I also like Matt Stafford a lot. So he may be somebody that was on your bench as your QB too. You know, he's, he's a top 10 play easy this week. So he's one of those guys, especially in what's going to be considered a pretty high scoring game. And even if it's a garbage time and they're losing to the Chiefs, it all counts for fantasy. So Matt Stafford and a lot of those Lions players are also uh, in that category of must starts. Yeah, one of the QBs I like that might have been a waiver wire flyer last week was Kyle Allen. But with what he showed us. And the weapons that he has around him, not just Christian McCaffrey out of the backfield, uh, but Greg Olson and Curtis Samuel uh, and obviously DJ Moore. I think Kyle Allen's a must start as well. Uh, And we can get into him on some DFS uh, because I'm doing a little foreshadowing here in just a little bit. But I think if you have Kyle Allen and it's close, unless you have somebody else that's a true frontline guy, then Kyle Allen might be a a smart play in your weekly league too. Well, again, it always depends on who else you have. I mean, if if you're one of those teams that had injuries, say they like Cam Newton, for example, or maybe Jimmy Garoppolo is your starting guy and he's on bye, then sure, I think that he, he absolutely could be in the mix there. But on the other side, like I, I'm not starting him over even guys with like less than great match. I'm not starting him over Matt Ryan, for example. I, I think he's outside the top 12. I would put him in there, though, if you have to do it, and he does have a good matchup. What about some of the QBs that you would not start despite 
than being a marquee guy. Well, I think Baker Mayfield has to be at the top of that list, right? I mean, he's just absolutely struggled, and I don't necessarily agree with Rex Ryan as far as his assessment of Baker Mayfield being overrated, but I I would say that uh, he kind of has to prove it, and it's a bad matchup this week against the Ravens. One other one that I'd throw in there, too, uh, Josh Allen against the Niners, (laughs) Josh Allen against the Patriots. I think it'll be a close game. I think that defense in Buffalo will make it interesting, but I don't expect Josh Allen to go off, especially this might be one of the best Pats defenses we've seen in a long time. And I'm glad you brought that up. It, it has, I mean, of course, Tom Brady historically against the Bills has been spectacular, but more than anything, even in Buffalo, you know, Josh Allen hasn't put together a complete game yet. Not really. He hasn't put together full four, four quarters. He's going to have to do that. I don't really believe he will. And again, as you put it, the Patriots are playing out of their minds right now. Let's jump to running backs uh, that will start or sit, and then we'll get to pass catchers. For me, Mark Ingram uh, is a no-brainer. There may not be a better free agent acquisition in terms of fit and and style than Ingram going to Baltimore as they take on the Browns, who I think have a talented defense, but we know the pass rush is is more where their defense makes its bones these days. Well, and that's the thing, because of what that team wants to do, using the run to set up the pass, and they're having success at both. I think Baltimore mostly is going to probably be able to move the ball at will I don't know if this is going to be the highest scoring game, but it doesn't necessarily need to be for Mark Ingram to be a good play. There's no question he's easily a top 15 play at running back. Are there any running backs that, that you like uh, that you would that are definite starts for you? Well, I mean, again, I, I think James Conner is a good example of a guy taking on Cincinnati on Monday night. Uh, obviously outside the realm of our DFS conversation. But on Monday night, I think you, th- you know James Conner has been a little bit of a disappointment. But since these defense is super soft right now, and they – Look, they they're got a little momentum. You know, Mason Rudolph and the way they played against San Francisco, I think there's something to that. James Conner had a bad fumble at the end of the game. I expect him to get back on track this week. Going back to that Patriots and Bills game, I'd stay away from all the Patriots backs, but specifically Sony Michelle, who's the bell cow, if you will, or, or the favorite that most people have. I understand Rex Burkhead has gotten in the mix, but I, I, with the way that Bills defense is playing, I would want no part of Sony Michelle this week. Well, it, it just kind of depends on what you think the game flow is going to be. So it's either Sonny Michelle or James James White who's going to be in this game, and he's coming back after obviously having the kid, or his wife had the kid, last (laughs) week. And so, you know, I I guess it just depends on your game script, but in the end, I actually don't have too much of a problem with either of those guys. They're inside the top 20. I I actually put both of them inside the top 20. One of the ways you attack that Bills front is you're going to do those short dump-off passes, which probably does – Lynn to White, White more than over Michelle. But again, I mean, it, I, I think all you need is a goal line touchdown from either one of them to make it valuable. Any running back that you want to stay away from then? You know, I, I, it's, it's tough to say. Like, I think I don't think Dalvin Cook's going to hit a hundred. I wouldn't bench him, but I don't think I think you have to lower expectations more than anything. Uh, as far as guys to stay away from. Yeah, I don't know if I have a. I mean, it, it's so tough this year with so many guys that are banged up and injured. I don't you really kind of have to play your front-line guys. Like, I have Devontae Freeman in a league or two, even though I don't necessarily love his matchup this week against Tennessee. Because yeah. look at what Tennessee's run defense did outside of one big play to Leonard Fournette. Leonard Fournette has a 69-yard run last Thursday, finishes with 66 yards. Mm-hmm. Let's you know that all his other carries did not go great. So I'd be reluctant if I had a better option on, on my year-long team uh, to stay away from Devontae Freeman. What about pass catchers? Any pass catchers you love that are definite starts this week? Outside of the obvious, it goes without saying, if you have DeAndre Hopkins, Michael Thomas, guys like that, right. you're always starting them. 
Yeah, I mean, uh, there's there's no doubt about uh, you're you're talking about that Washington uh, versus uh, New York Giants game, and I mean Terry McLaurin's a little banged up. Uh, Kid we both liked coming out of Ohio State. He's a rookie speedster, super super fast. He's been wide receiver one for them. If he doesn't go though, Paul Richardson, you should rush your waiver wire and get him. He's definitely in the wide receiver two category this week if you uh, need him. And that's another hint to our uh, DFS picks coming up here in just a minute. Uh, I, I think you're you're looking at that. Uh, that uh, Detroit Lions game, the Detroit Lions and Chiefs game, I'm, I'm kind of starting as many guys as I can in that one. I like T.J. Hawkinson a lot this week. Uh, he has been kind of disappointing the last two weeks after his big breakout game. But this week, uh, Chiefs have been susceptible to the tight end. I like him. I like both wide receivers, Galladay, as uh, well as Jones. So I'm, I'm kind of starting all of them. And then is there a pass catcher that you want to stay away from? Or you'd be mm. hesitant to throw into your lineup if you have a – a better option or a, or a close option, I should say. Well, coming back to the Patriots, I guess, Josh Gordon is a good example of a guy. He he had to get a lot of late work after Julian Edelman went down. Even That was even against Miami. Or actually, no, last week was against Sierra. Miami was the, the – I'm, I'm, Miami's two weeks the ago. The Jets last week. Jets, Sorry, big, thank you, big favorites against yeah. the Jets. And so so Josh Gordon got in some late work in that one, and he was a little bit banged up. But I, I don't expect a big game out of Josh Gordon. People probably have him si- inside the top 20. I'd say he's outside. All right, and then let's jump into some daily uh, fantasy real quick. I had mentioned Kyle Allen earlier, kind of tipped my hand. Because you can get him at a really low price in a lot of leagues, I would think about a Carolina either double stack or even triple stack because you can get Curtis Samuel for cheap Mm -hmm. and then you can spend big on a Christian McCaffrey. And I think that that all three could end up having a a nice day. Uh, So I might lean that way in DFS. They're uh, high on my list. And then with Atlanta losing Keanu Neal, he's in a lot of ways, he and Deion Jones are are certainly their two best defensive players. I guess you throw Vic Beasley in there. That's going to take some of the wind out of the sails of that secondary. So Corey Davis has been disappointing. We know a lot of that has to do with Mariota. I might take a flyer on a Corey Davis so I can get at a reasonable price. And I took him out of one lineup. Am I going back to weekly fantasy or year long? I may throw him back in now once I went through that matchup and realized Keanu Neal's done for the year for the second straight year. All right, so let me give you my, my high-end guy that I like a lot besides Mahomes. I think Mahomes is always worth kind of putting in there, right? Uh, I really like Russell Wilson this week against Arizona. Uh, Arizona's defense is not very good, and I think uh, they're going to be looking to battle back after what was a disappointing loss to the Saints. I expect uh, Russell Wilson, and I, I think Will Disley, obviously, in that respect, because you know how Vance Joseph defenses are against tight ends. You have to kind of start there. Uh, I like Matthew Stafford as a mid-price guy. We talked about him against the Chiefs. My low-price guy, you could either go Daniel Jones, as I talked about, or Case Keenum. Back against the wall kind of moment. There's a lot of rumblings about whether he should be benched or not. Some back and forth with the front office potentially. And he's taken on the Giants, who also have been a very bad defense. So I really like Case Keenum as a complete dart throw at this point because it allows you to basically load your lineup with a lot of these stud guys. Well, and going back to something you said about the the year-long fantasy or the game you want to just have a, a part of, Kansas City and Detroit, I think that when you look at Marvin Jones or some of these guys that you can get for a lower price than, say, Kenny Galladay, because I think that, that the Lions will be throwing it all over the yard, whether they're playing catch-up or trying to just go toe-to-toe with, with Kansas City, Marvin Jones Jr. might be a guy that I keep an eye on. And then uh, keep, keep an eye on really any pass catcher 
against the Dolphins just because of how bad they've been. So when you look at the Chargers and Dolphins, any of Phillip Rivers' targets uh, are appealing to me. Um, well, and, in that and case, so is Austin Eckler, I guess. Yeah, because Keenan Allen is the number one guy. Williams, Mike is Williams, out. he's yeah. out this week, right. and so is Justin Jackson. So because those two guys are out, maybe Melvin Gordon sneaks in. They decide to actually play him. Travis Benjamin, you'll get for super cheap. You just don't have to hold on to the ball. But he's hurt too. He's doubtful. Oh. So, so oh, okay. the thing about it is, is you got. I mean, really, you're t- taking a look at. I mean, and again, a lot of people are gonna. It's gonna be chalk, like straight chalk, playing some of these guys. But I think you almost have to have Eckler. Like, like, the, like he becomes kind of the the chalk play that you just don't want to miss because of how bad Miami is against the run and the way they use him in the past game too. I have no problem even if you want to go one or the other with him and Keenan Allen. But you're gonna want to have one of those guys as you mentioned. Uh, dart throw Trey Quinn. Keep an eye on him that for a bare minimum price. Trey Quinn would be a great pickup for Washington. Uh, Paul Richardson, super cheap as well. So those two guys, I'm probably going to have exposure at least one, if not not both, obviously. But I'm going to have one of those guys in every single lineup I sit up this weekend. All right, there you go. That's your fantasy focus. Make sure you catch Ryan Edwards with Benjamin Albright, 9-11 to 11 on Broncos Game Day. Ryan, I appreciate it. We'll talk to you again next Sunday. Sounds good. All right, so every Sunday you will catch Ryan and I talking all things fantasy. Uh, always appreciate that. And if you're, again, listening to this before now, 9 o'clock, Broncos game day comes your way 9 to 11 on KOA, and you can catch Ryan Edwards and Benjamin Albright. Uh, but we're going to go behind enemy lines, talk to Philip Heilman of The Athletic. Uh, and when I talked to him a couple days ago, we didn't have the latest on Jalen Ramsey, so I kind of wanted big picture stuff uh, on Jalen Ramsey. So uh, let's do that now and find out what's going on uh, in Jaguars uh, land, if you will. As we go behind enemy lines, pleased to be joined by Philip Heilman of The Athletic. He is their Jacksonville Jaguars beat writer. And let's start with, I think, the most interesting story off the field. The most interesting story on the field is Gardner Minshew, and we'll get to that as we get into to the matchup here with the Broncos in just a little bit. But the Jalen Ramsey saga, can you just take... With the Lucky Land Slots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. This is your captain speaking. Uh, we've got clear runway and the weather's fine, but we're just going to circle up here a while and uh, get lucky. No, no, nothing like that. It's just these cash prizes add up quick. So I suggest you sit back, keep your tray table upright, and start getting lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandslots.com. Are you feeling lucky? No purchase necessary. Void where prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details. <laughs> Through kind of how it got to the point where he's demanding a trade despite a pretty talented team around him that, you know, was a couple plays away from a Super Bowl just two years ago. Yeah, saga is one word for it. Meltdown, disaster. Uh, there's about 100 adjectives you could use. But it's an interesting question. And the the point that I go back to with Jalen Ramsey is in April when the Jags had their State of the Franchise presentation that they do every year. The team president gets up, the owner gets up, they talk about the business side of it, their grand plans for the community. And Tom Coughlin got up and said uh, basically that, you know, the offseason, the voluntary part of the offseason had just started, that most of our players are back and they should all be here, if we're being quite honest. And uh, that quickly drew a pretty strong rebuke from uh, David Mulagetta, who is uh, Jalen Ramsey's agent because Jalen Ramsey was not there. That clearly rankled Jalen Ramsey. I think that's one of the first times that the front office has really uh, gotten under his skin. And then after the Houston game in week two, uh, details of the interaction are scarce, but I would say it's pretty fair 
to uh, surmise that Tom Coughlin scolded Jalen Ramsey considerably after his uh, sideline spat with Doug Marone. So I think Jalen Ramsey has lost total respect for Tom Coughlin. I think that's where it starts. I think he's had other issues in terms of, you know, he hasn't gotten a contract extension. He played pretty nice with that and didn't make a huge distraction out of that. He's been vocal about not liking some of the defensive schemes through the years and that sort of thing. But for the most part, the Jags have, uh, had one of the league's better defenses even in down the year. So to me, uh, you circle Tom Coughlin in that relationship. I think that's where it's gone wrong for Jalen Ramsey and the Jaguars. Okay, well, so beyond that, is it just Jalen Ramsey and Tom Coughlin, or are the reports that you hear throughout the league that there's not a lot of people that love Tom Coughlin in that building, and Doug Marone may be in some ways just kind of stuck in the middle. Uh, how's Tom Coughlin viewed by the rest of the roster? Yeah, I mean, I think it's a, a fair question that a lot of people are feeling right now is, okay, who is running this team? Who is in charge of this team? Because if it's Tom Coughlin who uh, is scolding Jalen Ramsey after week two, I mean, that's the coach's job. If it's Tom Coughlin last year who released a statement late in the year uh, rebuking Leonard Fournette and TJ Yeldon, two running backs for sitting on the bench throughout the week 17 game in Houston, that's typically the coach's place to speak up about that. We don't really know how fines are divvied up, but it wouldn't shock me if, you know, Tom Coughlin had a role in that as well, which is typically, again, the coach's job. The prior regime, when it was Dave Caldwell, the GM, and Gus Bradley, the coach, I mean, Dave Caldwell got the players, but Gus Bradley did pretty much everything else, and that's how you see it mostly around the league. So I think there's a lot of guys and whispers in the locker room of sort of, okay, what exactly is going on here? Who is calling the shots on a day-to-day basis because we know with final personnel control, it's Tom Coughlin at the end of the day, but from a day-to-day perspective, that should be Doug Marone's job. And I think Tom Coughlin in many ways has sort of undercut Doug Marone. He's left him uh, in the wind by not one, by acting how he does behind the scenes, but two, never coming out in public, never answering questions, never explaining moves that they make, leaving Doug Marone to say, well, I don't have any control of the personnel and I don't want it. So I can't really get into that. You'd have to ask Tom Coughlin or Dave Caldwell. Well, we never get those guys aside from draft weekend. So uh, I think there's more questions than answers right now in Jacksonville, which is uh, partially why it's so surprising. They played such a great game uh, Thursday night, uh, last Thursday, to beat Tennessee. They could have very easily uh, beaten Houston in week two of the backup quarterback. So they've managed to sort of weather the storm and hold it together. You just wonder, okay, does, does that continue? Or does it hit a tipping point where, you know, the locker room just becomes fractured? Well, so then, I guess to to put a bow on on that part of it is the autonomy that Coughlin has be given to him because not just what his resume is and who he is, but because Shad Khan is just hands off. Even though his son Tony, I know, is involved with the team much more on a day to day basis than Shad is, is that that Coughlin gets to kind of rule? Uh, I don't say unchecked, but you know, with with clearance to kind of do whatever he wants. Yeah, you know, we don't really see as much of Tony Khan as we used to uh, in, in previous years, and I think Tom Coughlin's part of that. I wouldn't go as far to say that there was any sort of power struggle, but when Shad Khan made the change from Gus Bradley and changed up, uh, you know, really the whole face of the front office, uh, he wanted Tom Coughlin back. He was sort of his golden goose, white whale, whatever you want to say, to run his organization. He has an incredible amount of respect for what he's done in the league, and you know, certainly two Super Bowl wins as a coach. He came back, uh, you know, had done a lot of nice things with the franchise's first go-around. You could understand why Shad Khan wanted to bring Tom Coughlin back. Uh, I just, I don't know that it's been a great fit. I just don't, you know, the first time Tom Coughlin was here, the team became undone a little bit because of salary cap issues, and that was when he was the coach. He went to the Giants, and he was 
the coach now he's doing you know a significantly different job and yeah he has gotten pretty much free reign uh the statement that shot Khan released late last season when they decided to keep Doug Moran and Dave Caldwell was that Khan had put that decision in Tom Coughlin's hands and Coughlin opted to bring those guys back so it does seem like Coughlin has you know I, I don't know if it's unchecked power completely but it does seem like he can make uh within reason pretty much any decision that he wants i will say uh if it were up to tom coughlin from what i've gathered jalen ramsey probably wouldn't be on the jaguars i do think that's one instance where shot kind of stepped in we've seen him around the facility for the last couple of weeks and uh in a way that we don't typically see him there that often day after day during the season out of practice that sort of thing so i do think shot realized that he had to sort of be the mediator with Jalen Ramsey. But for the most part, yeah, Tom Coughlin, uh, it's sort of his way or the highway. Well, let's look on the field at this Jags team, one and two with a, a huge win against the Titans, a game that I think everybody in the football world just assumed with uh, the short week and, and Minshew starting just the second game that the Titans would go in there and, and get the win, even though it was in Jacksonville. Uh, but Minshew plays well enough. He's... Uh, I think played well enough in all three of his appearances, including coming in in a tough spot, just 12 plays into the game after Nick Foles gets knocked out. So let's start there. How crazy is Minshew mania and how legitimate is this kid as a starter in the NFL? Yeah, well, first of all, the Titans stink. I don't know if you've gotten a chance to see them, but that team is not good. Uh, I was thoroughly unimpressed with that performance Thursday night. But, yeah, Minshew mania is, I mean, it grows more and more each week. I think uh, the actor who played Uncle Rico in Napoleon Dynamite was actually at the facility today. Um, but, yeah, I mean, it's a fun story. The kid's completing 74% of his passes, five touchdowns, only throwing one pick, and that was a pass that bounced uh, literally directly off Leonard Fournette's hands and was intercepted by Frank Clark in week one. So he comes in and completes, you know, 88% of his passes after Nick Foles goes out 10 plays into the season opener and he's been making plays ever since then i mean the jaguars offense by no means is going to be confused with kansas city or new orleans when drew Brees is healthy it's not been that i mean they're still grinding out games but to me i had real concerns and i was writing during the preseason that the jaguars needed to to bring in a backup Gardner Minshew had 30 drives during the preseason and he did not lead a single touchdown drive and granted he was playing with a lot of guys who were waived and not even picked up and aren't even in the NFL anymore, but it was concerning. It was a six round rookie. It was a guy who, you know, is fifth in the Heisman voting last year, did a lot of nice things at Washington state, but doesn't have the strongest arm, doesn't have, uh, you know, the largest frame or anything like that. But man, the guy just gets by on guile and confidence. And it sort of feels like he almost doesn't know that he shouldn't be doing these things, throwing touchdown passes, leading late touchdown drives you know, came within, you know, maybe two or three inches of beating Houston. If they get that two-point conversion, they're in very good shape late in the fourth quarter. So it's been a lot of fun. I mean, his personality is awesome. Uh, You know, the stories are countless between the, you know, hammering his hand at East Carolina to try to get a red shirt to, you know, doing his arm stretches and the nude or just in a jock strap uh, at Washington State. Everything you hear about the guy when you see him in the locker room and talk to him, it's totally legit. He's a fun-loving guy. He went back to uh, Washington State on, uh, on over the weekend after the Jaguars won Thursday night to sort of soak it all in. So he's certainly somebody who's enjoying his time here. You wonder a little bit, is this a uh, 15 seconds of fame, 30 seconds of fame type deal? But I, I don't think so. I mean, I don't think that he's going to suddenly become Drew Brees. I don't know that that's his you know, path forward over the next 5, 10, 15 years, but he certainly does seem to be 
uh, confident backup, at least to the point now where people are starting to whisper, okay, if he does this for the next couple of weeks, for the next, you know, six to eight weeks when Nick Foles is back, what do you do? I still say you obviously go back to Nick Foles. You, you paid him $50 million guaranteed, $88 million contract. You're going to go back to Foles. But certainly uh, if Minshew plays well enough to keep the Jags afloat and in the playoff race when Foles does come back, that's as much as you could ask from him. And then before I let you go, and really appreciate the time, on the other side of the ball, we know that defense is led by Denver native Clayus Campbell, same high school as Philip Lindsay, obviously a handful of years ahead of him. Uh, he's a, a certified stud. The Broncos wanted him when he was leaving Arizona, but obviously the Jags are where he landed. They offered him more money, and it's obviously a great fit. Uh, how good is this defense, and how worried, if at all, are they uh, with this Broncos offense? Yeah, I would be hard for us to say that they're very worried about the Broncos offense. They're saying all the right things. Obviously, Phil Lindsay, uh, terrific player, Royce Freeman, a uh, nice one-two punch there. Emmanuel Sanders has done some really good things throughout his career, but Joe Flacco is a guy they feel like they, they can beat. They've played well against him before. Uh, they crushed him in London when he was with the Ravens. They lost one uh, at home a couple of years to Baltimore that they shouldn't have. Um, but yeah, it's, it's a good defense. It's legit. It's uh, you know, the front seven is really where the talent uh, lies at this point. I still have questions about the safeties. They don't have a, a ton of experience there. Ronnie Harrison and Jared Wilson, some guys who, uh, really made a lot of mistakes against Kansas City, but it feels like you see that every week in the NFL. But up front, Clay Campbell, three sacks against Tennessee, his first three of the season, so he sort of finally got going. Josh Allen, their first-round pick, looks totally legit. And we haven't really seen a whole lot from Yannick Ngakwe, who I would have said coming into the year is probably their best you know, pure pass rusher for, in terms of you know, age and ascension, a guy who wants a long-term contract similar to Jalen Ramsey. So, Really good up front. That's before you even get into the Marcel Dariuses and Avery Jones in the middle. So uh, defensive line's good. Linebackers with Miles Jack, also excellent. And then you know what you've got in A.J. Boy and Jalen Ramsey. The safety spot has been a concern. Linebacker depth has been a little bit of a concern. And if Jalen Ramsey doesn't play, they're going to have Trey Herndon, a second-year second player uh, opposite A.J. Boye. So some concerns, but the elite talent is very, very elite, and uh, that's why they've only given up one touchdown apiece the past two games to Tennessee and Houston, two of their biggest division rivals. So who wins the game, the Broncos or the Jaguars? Uh, I say Jags. Uh, I've picked against them every game this year. This is the first time I'm going with the Jaguars. They don't typically travel beyond the central time zone and play all that well, but it does feel like a game where this defense is set up well to create some turnovers with uh, Joe Flacco. It seems like the Broncos have had a lot of those 10, 12, 13 play drives. I just don't know if they're going to be able to piece enough of those together against the Jags defense. Uh, I see the Jags winning a close one, probably low scoring game, something 17, 14 in that range. Philip, I really appreciate the time. I hope uh, everybody that's listening to this goes and reads your work in The Athletic if they haven't subscribed. Uh, great content there up and down, not just in Jacksonville and Denver as well, but all across the league. Thanks so much, and uh, we will see you at Empower Field at Mile High. Thanks. I appreciate it. So you're all caught up, and now you're ready to rock and roll. Hopefully you're getting this uh, before all of the games get going. Obviously, Broncos, 225 kick. Make sure you're following me on Twitter throughout the entire game because uh, I'm offering insight from start to finish, and I'll have stuff pregame as well. 1240, I will talk to Dave Logan uh, with the latest on the injuries. I do not expect Kareem Jackson to play. And then you'll hear my interview with Chris Harris around 1 o'clock. And then uh, in – 
game analysis. I try to throw my own little brand of uh, observation. So make sure you're following me at BK Denver Sports. I appreciate you listening, downloading, hopefully subscribing, hopefully telling your friends as well. We'll catch you tomorrow as we react to what I expect to be a 23-13 Broncos win. Thank you for listening. Go Broncos. This is the Broncos Daily Podcast. With lucky landslots, you can get lucky just about anywhere. Dearly beloved, we are gathered here today to... Has anyone seen the bride and groom? Sorry, sorry, we're here. We were getting lucky in the limo and we lost track of time. No, Lucky Land Casino, with cash prizes that add up quicker than a guest registry. In that case, I pronounce you lucky. Play for free at LuckyLandSlots.com. Daily bonuses are waiting. No purchase necessary. Void were prohibited by law. 18 plus. Terms and conditions apply. See website for details.